morning, right? I'm going to teach, but I also want to preach because I don't want you to miss anything that I believe God's speaking in this hour to the city church. I'm not accountable for all the other churches in Mecklenburg County. We're not accountable to churches all over the country. But God, what are you speaking and what are you saying to this church in this moment and in this season? So it's going to be very important in the next 15, maybe 20 minutes that you stay really, really on top. And for those that are online, again, to you, good morning. Welcome. So glad you're with us today. We're in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12 on this morning. Now, uh, very interesting. Let me make sure I get everyone's attention here. Uh, the Bible says God speaks to Moses and Aaron and says, listen, this month shall be the beginning of months. Um, if you're okay with me, let me just go ahead and be a little bit more relevant with the teaching. Uh, the month of January is often obviously what the first month. Uh, am, I, am I okay so far in the Bible? The, the Bible says that, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Do you all believe we're in January? Yes? Okay. Uh, would you agree that this is the first month of the year? Yes? Everybody, everybody okay? Uh, are we okay so far? Let's keep reading. So the Bible says that, speak to the congregation of Israel saying, on the what day? What day? Does anybody know what today is? What month are we in? Do you think God might want to speak some things today to the church? Again, we don't know who's speaking what in other churches right across the street. But on the first of the year, the first month, and on the tenth day of the month, here's what I want to speak five, six thousand years ago. And maybe this is what God wants to speak today. Um, I, I shared a little bit of this last week, and I think it's very important to remind every one of you this, this week. When we had watch night service, and Pastor Tim alluded to it earlier, the word of the Lord was so prophetic, it was so profound, and it was so special. But what was more special than the word of the Lord during the service on watch night was the word of the Lord that I received going home in the car. I picked up the phone and called the speaker and said, you know, wow, what a great service. Man of God, thank you for being obedient Thank you for hearing from the Lord. I believe the people were blessed. He said, well, Pastor Stephen, that word was, yes, for the people online and the people in the church, but here's the word of the Lord even the more for the ministry, particularly for uh, you. And, 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 and he took me to this passage of Scripture. Now, what the pastor or the prophet did not know was about a week earlier, we were on a conference call with, I would imagine, about 12, 14 people or so, and before we hung up the phone on that conference call, the same passage of scripture, the same word was given then. Why is this important? Because I believe that when God really, really wants to prove a point and say something, he does it in such a way where you have no ch choice but to believe this is just not good talk. This is not just a good statement, but maybe this is God speaking. For he was confirming the word of the Lord. So confirmation had come that night of what God had been speaking to the, to the team on the Zoom call. It gave me a greater faith that this is just not ordinary okey-doke messages, but this is something that God wants to speak. It took me back to 2 Peter chapter 1 where the Bible says, And so we have this prophetic word confirmed. I want to talk to you just for a few moments, all right? This can't be business as usual. You just can't come in and get a nice little cute sermon and go home and go about your weekly business. And we have this, not just a word, but God is prophetically speaking and 
He's given a sign and a wonder by confirming his word. And Peter says you would do really, really good if you heeded uh, to the things that are being said. Heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Uh, my pastor said it this way 20, 30 years ago. He said, greater the revelation, greater the responsibility. Okay? Let me say it again. Greater the revelation, greater the responsibility. There are going to be times when you're not quite too sure if this is God, is this the devil, or is it just me? But then there are moments when you know that you know that you know that God is speaking. We have a prophetic word, and the word's been confirmed. And God reminds us, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men as they spoke by God, and they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you. You can call it coincidence. You can call it happenstance. But about two and a half weeks ago, I don't preach out of 1 Thessalonians often, but when I do, I know God is speaking. And what was the, one of the main points Paul was driving home to the Christian church at a very difficult pandemic day? He said, do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecy. So maybe even three weeks ago, God was preparing the church for the prophetic word on watch night service that can confirm on a Zoom call. And here we are now on the second Sunday, the first month, on the 10th day, I think God is trying to say something. Okay? Now, the African proverb is simply this. When the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. When the student is ready, the teacher will arrive. You can sit in the Word today, and you can hear something that feels good, sounds good, looks good, and go home and receive zero. Or you can hear the Word of God. I think that's Hebrews 4 and 2, if I'm not mistaken. The Bible says that the gospel was preached to them as was preached to us. But because they didn't make what the word. You didn't mix the word by faith that the word can actually work for you in your life and in your situation. And so maybe God is prepping and priming the church for something it has never experienced yet. Maybe God is preparing you as a family, as a business owner, as a couple, as a parent. Maybe God is conditioning and prepping and readying you because there's something absolutely phenomenal he is about to do in your life. You may want to write that down. Greater the revelation, greater the responsibility. Let me give you one last scripture as it relates to hearing the word of God. Hebrews 12, 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke from the earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away the one who speaks from heaven? Do not despise prophecy. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. He is our greatest advantage. And if he wants to speak, listen. You heard these ladies say a minute ago, this is not just a curbing of the diet, but it is a time to seek the Lord. It is a time to hear clearly 
from heaven. And I think that we need to, at no other time in our history, we need to have a clarion crystal call from heaven, not our agenda. God, what's on your agenda? We're so busy saying, God, I need you to bless me, bless me, bless me to do this, that, and the other. Wait a minute, God, what are you doing? And bless me to be a part of what you're doing. Can't get nobody to say amen on this morning. These past few days, our country has witnessed some of the most embarrassing, shameful, duplicit, two-faced, two worlds, one nation that we've seen and that we've not seen in this lifetime. And many of us are still just kind of, just kind of not quite really knowing what to say. We, and I use the word we, we become a society of toxicity. Yes, there's been racism. But I don't know if we underestimated institutional racism. And that doesn't just come from one direction. That is a fabric. That is a society. That is a culture. And it didn't just happen four years or eight years ago. It's been happening for hundreds of years, mounting to this point. I used the word back in January and February, maybe March or so, before the pandemic kind of took front, uh, front attention. And we're on the brink of a civil war. And it's all out online. But here we are, the second week of, of January, and we are all witnessing online and on TV something we cannot believe. And it takes our country, my prayer, back to a place of humility. It should take our country back to a place of brokenness, seeking the Lord, because I don't believe we've seen the worst yet. I don't believe what we saw this past week was a one and done. I believe it is the early rains, the early pre prelude or the early beginnings of some very, very difficult days. And the church, you and I, cannot afford to sit on the sideline waiting for this storm to pass by. I think that's half of the problem, if not the majority of the problem, is that the church has been silent and, and non-effective so many years, so many decades. And so now we have to deal with another pandemic on top of another pandemic. And so if there's ever been a time to hear from heaven, to know God's perfect will, now is the time. I never gave you the title of the message. I want to talk, I want to minister just for a few moments about Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. I want to give you a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament. We're going to find a nice place to do part one. We'll pick it up next Sunday with part two. But I want to tie in the historical value of the Passover 
bring it front and center 5,000 years later, 2021, of what that means for you today. What can we learn from Egypt's judgment? What can we learn from Israel's Passover? And today, how does that affect my home, my mind, my marriage, my family, our money? How does that affect our jobs? How does that affect our livelihood? What did God say then? What is he saying now? Exodus 12. Exodus 12. You have to understand chapter 12 cannot be unless you understand what was happening chapter 7 through 11. We don't have time obviously to go through 7 through 11. But in a nutshell, here's what's going on. God tells Pharaoh to let my people go. You all know the story. If you hadn't heard the story, you've seen the movie. God tells Pharaoh to let my people go. He uses Moses and Aaron. Now, interesting enough, Moses is, Moses, you, you remember the life of Moses, right? I mean, Moses is a slave. Moses is a man of color. Moses marries a woman of color. Moses comes from the backside of nowhere, but he is raised in the palace. He is raised in the king's court. So Moses has the language of the hood, but Moses also has the language of, of the upper epsilons of society. So God says, Moses, though you stutter and you have a speech impediment and you deal sometimes with insecurity, I'm going to put Aaron on your right side and together go tell Pharaoh to let let my people, about two million people at that time, let the two million people go from slavery, from Egypt. And, and so, and so, although Pharaoh was, you know, he, he, he kind of went back and forth, right? But at the end of the day, it was of no avail. So God sends plagues. There was a plague of, and, and remember this, I know you all remember all of this, there was a plague of the frogs, all right? Then there was lice. Then there was flies. Then there were the boils. Then there was hell and locusts and darkness. And none of those plagues moved Pharaoh to a point of he would hear from heaven. So God says, okay, if those things won't get you off your behind and do what I've asked you to do, I'm going to send the plague of death. I'll send the death angel. And when the death angel sweeps through the land, every firstborn will be killed. Now, again, I've read this a lot, understood it, but now God is speaking. Why would God be interested in killing the firstborn? Because the firstborn gets all the attention. The firstborn sets the tone for the rest. The firstborn oftentimes can, can, can represent idolatry, objects of worship. The firstborn can be those things, people, relationships, pride, arrogance, apathy. Whatever was going on in the Egypt world, if we deal with the first fruit or the first of the born, it'll set a tone for the rest. But while God was judging Egypt, he had a promise for Israel. While God will deal with America, I believe he does have the promise for God's people. While judgment swept through the land, I think they said 4,000 died just yesterday alone or uh, Friday alone, if I'm not mistaken. It's been the highest peak in the history of this 10, 11-month uh, pandemic. And I know it's getting better, and I pray it gets better. But would you have thought this time last year we'd have over 400,000 people die? Would you have thought, I, 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 again, this is not a political conversation, but would you have thought watch night of last year we'd be having this conversation? And I know there's some in the room right now, there are some online right now, just, this has not hit your front door, it has not knocked on the front door of your family, but there are those in this sanctuary, and there are those that are online 
They're still grappling with the fact and grieving over the moment of having to bury a loved one without being able to say goodbye. Without being able to go to the funeral site. Without being able to travel. And there's going to be a lot of unclosure. That's going to take a little bit more time than the normal passing of a loved one. And so the Bible says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt. I'll strike down every firstborn, both man and animal. And I will bring judgment on all of the gods of Egypt. That causes me to pause and ask myself, what are the gods of America? I wonder what the gods, little g, of our day and time are now. What is it that we've made more of a priority than the Lord? Please stay with me. I won't take that much longer. What is it that gives more of our time, more of our attention, more of our loyalty, more of our worship than the word of God, than the presence of the Lord, than the people of God? What is it that we can do what we really want to do to justify why we do what we do? So God says, I'm going to deal with the gods of Egypt. The word of God, excuse me, the word of God goes on to say, verse 13, and the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when, God says, I strike Egypt. Okay? Let's just pause for a moment and think about this one. We say that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We say that God is God who changes not. And I know right now it's kind of hard for us in this grace, hyper-grace world to think that God would even dare do a, such a thing to a people or to allow such a thing to a group of people. But brothers and sisters, you are living real time. And seeing what you're seeing, this is not an imagination. You're not in a long, extended dream we are experiencing some very turbulent, destructive times, not only in our country, but around the world. And maybe God wants to speak to you, your family, your church. When I honor my word globally and nationally or even locally, I've got something special I'll do for those who can hear. You know, the Bible says that the Lord will do nothing except he reveal his secret first to the prophets, his servant. His servant, the prophets. Please don't turn a deaf ear to this sermon. Please don't turn a deaf ear to what perhaps the Lord is saying. These can be some of the best of times, but yet some of the worst of times. I'll say that again. Friends, these can be some of the best of times but also some of the worst of times. While God, judged Egypt, while God judged Egypt for Israel, he would institute a Passover. God gave specific instructions of how Israel's firstborn could escape the plague of death. Each household was to kill an unblemished one-year-old male lamb, sprinkle the blood on the doorpost of the house. So when the death angel passed over the houses, when God saw the blood on the doorpost, he would pass over that home. Now, I want to do a couple of things, and I'm going to try to find a good spot to close. I want to talk about the lamb. What, what's significant about a lamb, right? And then I want to go back and look again at this thing called the Passover, what it meant in the Old Testament, what it meant in the New Testament, 
and what it means for you and I today. I, 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 I think that's very important that you understand and that you know, okay? I struggle with messages like this because number one is the Old Testament. Number two is really more historical and, and classical in its approach. My struggle is how do I make this relevant? How do, how do how I ensure that when you leave the church today, something goes home with you? That you can apply what you've learned and it really sticks and it makes a difference. That's, that's the challenge of Old Testament teaching and preaching in modern day time. Now remember, the message of the title is Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God. When all is said and done, when everything comes to an end, you'll have to remember it was about Jesus. It is about Jesus, and it will always be about Jesus, right? Uh, again, not a fairy tale, not an animated cartoon figure, not something you grew up in Sunday school hearing, but Jesus has to be the most real, most relevant, uh, serving God that you serve and honor, the only begotten Son of God, the Father, that is real in your life. You may not be able to touch him. You may not be able to hold him and embrace him, but you have to believe 2,000 years ago that Jesus walked on the earth. He wasn't just an imagination. He wasn't just a scholar, wasn't just a humanitarian, wasn't just a rabbi, but there was something different about Jesus that no other quote-unquote self-proclaimed God had, that he had resurrection power to raise from the dead, and not only did he raise from the dead, he gave you and I a promise. I will return one day. We sang the song earlier this morning. He will return one glorious day that should institute a hope to live holy that to give us a mandate to stay focused that to give us a dictate to continue on believing God's word how does Jesus become relevant in 2021 he's got to be more than fire insurance from going to hell but he has to be he has to be the hope that is in you he has to be the fixture the center point. You're everything. And everything else has been dismantled in your life. And we're not going to get into conversation with he white, was he black, was he Palestinian, was he Jewish. You know, all of that's really confirmed in the word if you'd read the Bible. Okay? If you'd read the Bible and apply a little practical sense, most of these answers are already answered. We get caught up in some of the political nuances of people's rhetoric. When you read the Bible, read the word of God for itself, independently, objectively, led by the spirit of God, all of these answers can be answered. Let me get back on target real quick. So, so number one, the lamb of God. Now, now I almost feel like I need to go back to elementary school just for a quick moment here. All right. And this ain't Mary had a little lamb, by the way. This is not the Mary had a little lamb song we're going to sing. But the lamb, we know what a lamb is, right? We know it's a, it's a source for milk, it's a source for food, a source for clothing, even a source for tent making back in the Old Testament and New Testament days. We know that a lamb had to be a perfect lamb. This couldn't be an ordinary lamb. And see, here's, okay, I'm, I'm trying to avoid going there, but I got to go there. Here's what's so important about the perfect lamb of God. God gave Israel a set of instructions I'll say that again explicit instructions to follow it wasn't a democratic conversation it wasn't a republican conversation it wasn't a gospel according to me conversation here's what I want here's how I want it and here's when I want it 
And because Israel was so humbled at that time, they would do exactly what God said do. I call that the spirit of excellence. Daniel, the Bible says, had a spirit of excellence. In other words, he didn't just show up when he wanted to show up. He didn't say, God, here you over here, but I think I got a better way over there. He didn't say, God, I understand, but that takes too much certainty. You're not all into all of that, so I'm just going to do it my own easy way. When he spoke in the Old Testament and when he spoke instruction, he was very detailed. Go back and read the book of Numbers. Look at the book of Leviticus. Look at Deuteronomy. God didn't just take a broad paintbrush and say, hey, guys, it's a democratic society. Just do what you feels good. Just do however you want to do it. It's okay. It's all right. There's going to be grace. It's okay. No, no. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a lamb. Take a male lamb. Somewhere between one and three years, but it's typically a year-old lamb, right? Because the lamb represented an unblemished, oh God, a ram represented that peace that Israel would offer. Now, interesting thing. When we think about a lamb, I know we think about the little animal itself. But it was more than the animal. It was a sacrifice. It was an object that Israel was to give back to God. And when Israel gave it to God, they just couldn't just give any old lamb. We don't need any handicapped lambs. We don't need any lambs that has deficiencies. We don't want any lambs that are crippled. You know what? I know you got more rams and goats, and you got a whole lot of stuff in the, in the barn. And I know it'd be easy for us in our democratic mind to say, oh, you know what? God doesn't care. Uh, hey, y'all, give, give, uh, give him that rooster instead, and he'll be all right. No, no, no. That wasn't the type of God that they served. Uh-oh. <laughs> he said, take the lamb. I want you to take the blood from the lamb. And I want you to put the blood on the doorpost. Now, that just ruled out about 60% of us. You know why? Because we ain't put no blood on our nice home. Don't you know we work hard for this home? We got an extra loan for this home. We want this home a certain color. And what the neighbors don't think. And what everybody else don't think. And I, I don't care who he is or what they say. I'm going to do my way. God said, put the blood on the doorpost and on the side of the house. Some of y'all ain't saying amen because you might be one of the ones I'm talking about. It's not aesthetic. <laughs> it won't be politically correct. Uh, it might not look good. It's going to be a lot of stuff going on in your world and your mind. But this is what God said. Maybe God was testing their obedience and their faith level. <laughs> now, it was the 10th day that God spoke to them. It would not have been to the 14th day or that Thursday, how do we know? Because in the New Testament, the Passover started on Thursday. So for four days, they had to go home and contemplate what they'd heard in church. For four days, they had to go home and pray over and hear and get a comfort and an obedience of what they think the Lord was speaking. So come Thursday, they would actually do what God had told them to do. Now, it wasn't the only time a lamb was needed in worship. Uh, understand this. Uh, at the beginning of every month, a lamb was to be sacrificed. At seven days of Passover, a lamb was sacrificed. In observance to the Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, a lamb would have been sacrificed. On the Day of Atonement, a lamb was sacrificed for a peace offering, a love offering, a sin offering. A lamb was needed. And you know what I love about 
taught God in this particular scripture. He says, listen, if you got a house that's too small for a whole lamb, partner with the neighbor next door, and that'll be good enough for me. He thought about the widow, the single parent, the young couple, folk who were struggling, people who were by themselves. He said, listen, if your home is too small, don't worry about it. We got you covered. Just go to your neighbor. Y'all get together, have a potluck dinner, bring one lamb, and it'll cover all three homes. Notice what the Bible says real quick in Exodus 29, 39. Now, this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day continually. One lamb you should offer in the morning and another lamb you will offer at twilight. So what are you saying? This was nothing new to Israel. Israel had begun to understand that God wanted a daily sacrifice. Well, just Sunday mornings. I'm almost finished. It wasn't just during high services throughout the year. But every day, I hear Paul talking now in Romans 12 and 1, daily present your bodies as a living sacrifice. No, no, in New Testament, 2021, we're not taking our cat, our dog, our goldfish, our pet hamster. We're not sacrificing them at home in the kitchen with a butcher knife and saying, hey, God, here's our offering. That's not the type of offering God wants today. He wants your body. He wants your mind. He wants your ministry. He wants things that are of you. And offer it every day. This is your reasonable service. It's the least you could do. Be not conformed to this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's go back to Exodus 12 for a moment because now here we see the blood on the side of the house. We see the blood on the doorpost of the house. Can you just take a quick moment with me? Just think how that might have been. Think, uh, think about us in particular. You know how we can be, right? Think about everyone on your block. The majority of people heard from heaven. And they said, God, we may not understand all this. It may not make sense to us. But not our will, thy will be done. So they get the lamb, they take the blood, they paint the doorposts in the front of the house. Can you imagine somebody else on your block who says, listen, I don't care what them church folk doing. I ain't about to do A, B, and C. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the intellectual? Can you imagine the one who said, God, we trusted the leader before. We thought we'd heard from heaven before. And right now I'm so tired. I ain't doing nothing. What about the one who said, God, I, we've been doing this and we've been at it for a long time, yet we see no results. We've been fasting. We've been praying. We've been tithing. We've been volunteering. We've been giving. We've done this. We've done that. And we still don't see nothing. My prayer is that I hope they didn't get tired too soon and throw in the towel. I was taught of the young man in the church that, listen, usually right when you throw in the towel, God has a breakthrough.